Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John, and I am so glad you're joining me here on the podcast. Our goal here is to provide what I call Blue Jeans Theology. That is down-to-earth Bible teaching in the language of everyday life, rooted in everyday life to help you and me and everybody follow Jesus in their everyday life. And, you know, this ministry, Bible in Life, the, the podcast. I've got the listeners commentary. If you haven't checked that out, that's where I teach straight through New Testament books. Uh, and you can find that at listenerscommentary.com or search for listeners commentary in your podcast player. You'll find it there. And, but the lion's share of this online ministry that I've been working on for uh, almost two and a half, three years now, the lion's share of it is funded by uh, the generosity of people just like you. And the reason for that is because I, I sincerely believe that everybody ought to have access to the life-changing wisdom of Jesus and the Bible. And so I've chosen to give away just so much of what I'm doing for free and then just trust that God and his goodness and his providence through his people would somehow provide for us. And when I look at the numbers on paper, we're, we need you know, 35 40% more just to make bare minimum monthly need, but somehow God and his faithfulness has sustained us for these last two and a half years, and I'm praying for God to raise up more faithful ministry partners who would donate monthly just to support this ministry so that it can continue to expand and increase so that more and more people, uh, both here in the States and around the world, can have access to the kind of teaching I'm trying to provide that's just real clear, simple, down-to-earth, and prayerfully, I hope, helpful to people as they try to follow Jesus. So if you've been encouraged by this ministry in some way, if it has blessed you in some way, would you just prayerfully consider joining the team of uh, supporters and donors and ministry partners uh, and become a ministry partner with this ministry? And you can do that at the link down in the notes below, or you can go to uh, listenerscommentary.com slash give or uh, johnwhitaker.net slash give. I'll put a link to that down below, but you can go to the Give page and you can just set up a one-time or even better, a monthly donation to help this ministry just continue to exist, continue to grow, continue to expand so that we can reach more and more people with the wisdom and goodness of Jesus and his word. All right, we've been in a series over the last handful of weeks where we're just wrestling with some of the questions of doubt that sometimes we experience as we walk with God, that walking with God and reading the Bible just sometimes is challenging, and we have questions, and sometimes there's not really super clear answers to those questions. Sometimes there's really great answers to those questions, and we've tried to provide just some framework for thinking about some of that stuff, uh, some ways of uh, maybe looking at at least here's some data. Here's some helpful information. Here's some answers. Here's some considerations. And so we've been exploring some of those. And we noted a few weeks ago that there's different kinds of questions. There's like surely fact-based intellectual type questions that are real questions that people just want to know. What's what's the data? What's the information on this? And then there's more like just experiential, personal type questions. Well, the two questions I want to explore uh, on this episode are more of that kind of personal sort of questions that are worth us just thinking about. And there are some really helpful considerations that will uh, bring us maybe a little bit of clarity, if not really full answers, but some clarity and maybe even some comfort in the midst of all of that. 
And so I want to wrestle with a couple questions regarding miracles and prayer on this episode. Miracles and prayer. The, the first one uh, on miracles, here's the question as it was written to me here in the last uh, month or so. Uh, on miracles. When reading the Bible, Old Testament and New, God is super interactive with his people. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, you have Saul or Paul and the miracles of healing performed by the apostles. Uh, but those things don't really seem to be happening all the time anymore, at least not in the same way. Blind people aren't miraculously being healed. People with disabilities aren't running out of their wheelchairs. What happened? Did God leave us? Uh, and it's a fair question, right? Um, where are all those sorts of miracles like we see in the book of Acts or in the Gospels with Jesus or even in the Old Testament with Moses and some of the prophets? Where, where did all those miracles that we see then go? That's really what this question is wrestling with. It's a good question. Um, I, 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 in fact, I just was sitting with a fellow pastor the other day over lunch, and I, he asked me a, a similar question. And so I shared, man, I think there's a really important distinction that sometimes— we overlook, or that most of the time we overlook, and that's the distinction between miracles and miraculous abilities. I think we need to distinguish between miracles as a general category and miraculous abilities as a specific, maybe subset of that category. And when we talk about like what we see in the book of Acts through the apostles, or what we see with Moses, or some of the Old Testament prophets, certainly with Jesus, what we're seeing there are miraculous abilities, where God has bestowed upon specific individuals uh, abilities where um, they can speak a word, say a prayer, and boom, something happens immediately. A, a miracle happens uh, immediately. That's a miraculous ability given to a specific individual. Here's what's fascinating about those miraculous abilities is when you look at the Bible, in fact, one of the things we sometimes forget to remember about the Bible is that, that even though the Bible may only be an inch or an inch and a half thick, it covers a huge span of time. From, the, from Abraham in Genesis 12 through the apostles, you're looking at around 2,000 years of history, roughly the same time period as from Jesus to today. So now that's a big span of time. And when you look at the, the Bible, there are really three concentrated periods of miraculous abilities. Uh, you have one of those periods with Moses and the Exodus events and uh, the giving of the old covenant, the the uh, right, the bringing Israel into the covenant people of God and the Exodus and all that. So you have some of those miraculous abilities surrounding Moses and the redemption of Israel from Egypt and the the forming of the covenant with Israel. Then you have another concentration of those miraculous abilities with the Old Testament prophets in uh, the 800 BC, 700 BC time period when you have uh, the Old Testament prophets trying to call Israel back to living by the covenant that was given to them through Moses. They're being unfaithful to that covenant, and God now is speaking a fresh word and really calling them to be faithful to the covenant through the prophets, and God bestowed on those prophets these miraculous abilities really as a way to credential them as authorized spokesmen. And then you have a third concentration of those abilities in Jesus and the apostles in the Gospels and the book of Acts. 
And those are the three major periods of miraculous abilities that we see scattered throughout the Bible. And so Moses is 1500 BC. Then about seven, 800 years later, you get another concentration with the prophets. And then about another seven, 800 years later, you get another concentration with Jesus and the apostles. That at least helps us remember they're not happening every single day, every single decade, every single century throughout the Bible. They're happening in select periods of time. And they seem to happen uh, both by example, what we see happening, and what we're, we're told about them by the writers, of, particularly of the New Testament. They seem to happen for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to authorized to credential authorized spokesmen as indeed these people have been chosen by God they are official spokesmen on be, on his behalf and the miracles um, aren't random they're there to credential them as authorized spokesmen that's why the apostle Paul refers to miracles as the marks of an apostle right in second Corinthians they're the marks of an apostle um, that's why uh, the author of Hebrews refers to them these miracles as like credentialing these these spokesmen. And so they had a specific purpose. And so God bestowed miraculous abilities at set times to set individuals for a specific purpose. He didn't give them to every individual and he didn't do them all the time. So make this distinction. You have miraculous abilities and then you have miracles. A miracle is where uh, God does something that the laws of nature could never do on their own. Did God not intervene and uh, transcend the laws of nature? That's a miracle. And God can still do and uh, likely still does miracles when he sees fit. It's his world. And if God wants to respond to a person's prayer or a group of people's prayer in some sort of miraculous sort of way, God can do that. He doesn't always do that, but he can and does do that when he chooses to. And so um, where have all the miracles gone? Fair question. Actually, that's a question that you actually see asked by some of the Jewish writings between the Old and New Testament, that period of 400 years between the Old and New Testament. The Jews had some of their own writings, and they actually asked that very question. Where have all the miracles gone? So this is a question that God's people have wrestled with because God hasn't done miracles all the time, and he hasn't bestowed miraculous abilities all the time. And so that's part of our, our need to trust God, that God knows what's best. God can do miracles when he wants to and does do them when he sees fit. And he has given miraculous abilities according to the need of the moment. And if God wanted to give someone miraculous abilities today, I suppose he could do that, right? It's his world. He can do what he wants. And so make the distinction between miracles and miraculous abilities that at least helps us understand what we're actually seeing in the Bible and why we're not seeing the same sorts of things all the time. Because that's just not God's plan and that's not God's purpose for those abilities. All right, I hope that helps at least with miracles um, and how we should think about miraculous abilities. Now, the other question, closely related to it, particularly related, related to just the idea of miracles in general and God answering prayers in miraculous ways, which, by the way, I should say that we need to think clearly. Sometimes we use the word miracle in a real kind of generic sense, like the miracle of childbirth. Childbirth is amazing. It is remarkable, but it's technically not a miracle, all right? That's if we're being honest with the technical definition of a miracle. A miracle is something that the laws of nature could never do on their own without uh, intervention by God. So 
a, a technical miracle, it would be more like Jesus' birth, where there was uh, a, a virgin conception. And the birth itself was normal, but the, the conception was not, right? That would be more of a miracle. So just a technical distinction. But prayer, when we talk about unanswered prayer, that's a fair question and something we're wrestling with. Like, why doesn't God always answer prayer? Now, when I say it like that, I know, and I fully expect, maybe even some of you listening will push back and say, God always answers prayer, because this is a kind of popular little Christian saying, well, God always answers prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. I get that, okay? I understand that um, Christians say that sort of thing, but here's the reality. When I say, when you say, when we say, God answered my prayer, what do we mean? We mean God did what I asked, right? That's what we mean when we say God answered my prayer. So let's just be honest. God doesn't always do what we ask. God doesn't always do what we ask. There's times when we pray and we pray and we pray, and God doesn't seem to do anything. There's times where, man, it sure seems like what I'm asking is within the known revealed will of God. And it seems like it would be good and glorifying to him. And we pray. Maybe we even pray and fast. And God doesn't seem to do anything. Um, we have to be honest about this reality if we're going to you know, be help people, help ourselves, if we're going to just be honest about Scripture and we're going to be honest with our experience. God does not always do what we ask him to do. And in that sense, God does not always answer prayer. Um, and uh, sometimes this is very painful. I know of a fella who his associate pastor uh, got sick with cancer. This this pastor firmly believed that God would heal him, called on their church to pray and fast. So the church did, prayed and fast, and the associate pastor died of cancer. Man, that that led to a deep, deep, dark spiritual depression for this pastor because he he, he believed he prayed in faith. He, he fasted and prayed in faith. He, and he believed God was going to heal with all his might. God didn't. God didn't. We need to be honest that God does not always do what we ask him to do. So God is not a cosmic vending machine in the sky. Can we just say that? God's not a vending machine in the sky where if we put in the, the you know, the we, we, we say the right formula, we say the right words, and we do it with enough energy and faith and conviction, boom, God's just going to you know, dispense exactly what we ask him to do. That's just not the way prayer works, and that's not, the way, that's not who God is. So God's not a vending machine in the sky, and the Bible doesn't actually ignore this. The Bible recognizes that, that God doesn't always answer our prayers, and sometimes his beloved people suffer. Sometimes they don't get out alive. I think of Acts chapter 12. It's a fascinating little story because uh, at the beginning of Acts chapter 12, the apostle James has been arrested by King Herod. And not only has he been arrested, but King Herod actually executes the apostle James, beheads him, kills him. Um, and you could bet the church was praying for the apostle James right there in Jerusalem, uh, praying for him, and it didn't work. James died at the hands of an unbelieving king. Herod saw how this pleased the Jews, particularly the Jewish leadership, and so he decided, let's take Peter. Peter's like, wow, he's like super bigwig here in Jerusalem. So he arrests Peter in Acts chapter 12, puts him in jail. 
And he's waiting and waiting for just the right moment to, to kill Peter. And the church is praying. We're specifically told the church is gathered praying for Peter. And the very night before Peter is scheduled to be executed, God has a flair for the dramatic. Uh, the very night before God, uh, before Peter's to be executed, God sends an angel to break Peter out of jail. And, and here's the question. Why, if God can send an angel to break Peter out of jail, why didn't God send an angel to break James out of jail? God, in response to the church's prayers, sends an angel, delivers Peter. God didn't send an angel for James. Why not? Why not? And we're not told. We're not told. We don't know. We just know that God doesn't always do the exact same thing for everybody. We just know that the apostles and the church and the loved ones of James now are grieving because he died. When God could have sent an angel and, sent, and saved him, but he didn't. But God did do that for Peter, and we don't know why. And we're not told. And that's just the reality of life with God. God is not a vending machine in the sky. God's a person. And God, as a person, makes choices about what he's going to do. Um, in the case of Peter, breaking Peter out of jail when Peter's being guarded by soldiers led to the soldiers being executed. So God made the choice that he was going to break Peter out of jail, all the while knowing that there would be consequences and repercussions down the line for other people, right? Like, God knows all of this. God has to make these decisions. And when we pray, we put our requests out there, and God has to consider everything. And he knows all the data, and he has all the big picture, and we don't. And so sometimes God sends an angel and breaks someone out of jail. Sometimes he doesn't. And we're left to wonder why. And what we really need to learn to do is just trust God. Trust God that God, God knows what's best. And from our vantage point, we can't see why God isn't answering our prayer the way we asked it. We can't see what God is up to, but God's in charge. In fact, uh, C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, I think it's his uh, Letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer, uh, uses this imagery of a tapestry. And from the underside of the tapestry, if you've ever looked at one, it just looks like a bunch of loose, dangling, hanging threads of, a, of multiple colors. That's not particularly beautiful. So from the underside, it, it doesn't look like much. But if you get above the tapestry and you look down on it and you see the imagery woven in the tapestry, it's a beautiful thing. Well, we're kind of on the underside of what God is up to in the world. And we can't always make heads or tails out of the tapestry God is weaving in the world. And so we don't always understand why God chooses to say yes to some requests and no to other requests and what God is actually orchestrating by everything he's doing. But someday when we get shoulder to shoulder with God and we see the full perspective of the tapestry that God is weaving, um, in faith we trust that, that it'll be beautiful, that it'll be more than beautiful. It'll be uh, extraordinary, right? That's what we trust and that's what we believe. Look, here's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he's going to be crucified, and he knows what's coming, and he is begging. In fact, the scriptures say he's 
agonizing. He's deeply troubled in spirit, is what this, the text says. So much so, Luke tells us that he's so overwhelmed with the, the stress and the trauma of what's coming his way that he, he actually begins uh, to break capillaries in his forehead and it blends with his sweat. And now he's sweating drops of blood. Like there is deep pressure and agony and stress on Jesus as he's begging God. God, is there any other way to redeem the world? Can you please let this cup pass from me? But not your will, not my will, but yours be done. The reality is God said to Jesus, no, no, I can't answer this prayer. The only way is the way of the cross. And Jesus submitted to that and surrendered to that, trusting the Father. And in fact, the author of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he suffered to the cross, enduring the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. That was the path that uh, God marked out for him, and it brought incredible glory. And so sometimes God, even like in the case of Jesus, God says, no, there's no other way. This is the way it needs to be. I, I know what's best. I've considered all the options. I'm going to have to say no to this request because of what I'm up to and what I'm doing. We don't get the whole perspective. We don't always understand how that all works out. Our job is to trust God. And man, that's not always easy, right? Um, that's not always easy. But that's the reality. And that's what Scripture shows us actually happening in living color in the stories of the Bible. Sometimes God says, yeah, I can do that one. There's other times where we pray for months and months and months. And maybe finally God does something, not exactly what we expected, but something similar to what we expected. Other times, it's just an out and out no. God is not going to answer our prayer at all. He's not going to do what we asked. Um, and we may not totally get it. We may not even get it in this life as to why he didn't answer that prayer. But someday, when we get shoulder to shoulder with God, we'll see the beautiful tapestry that God was weaving through all these choices that God is making as he orchestrates his great plan for the world. All right, I hope that's helpful to you in your walk with God. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life Podcast. If you haven't taken a second to uh, review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts, man, that would be super helpful. If you want to write a review and make a recommendation, if you find it helpful to you. And uh, as always, feel free to share on social media. Let, let other people know about it. Uh, thanks again for tuning into this episode. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.